When is the last time you lost something really valuable and you turned your house upside down looking for it? What if you knew something essential was missing, but you weren't exactly sure what you were searching for? Finding it might be a challenge. That last question might not make a lot of sense. But the fact is that many people are searching for something every day, but they're not exactly sure what they're looking for. They're searching for hope. Hello, my name is Tim Riordan, pastor of Sunrise Baptist Church in Noonan, Georgia. I'm an author. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining me for this six-part series that I've entitled, Held by Hope. We put this series together because after the last 12 months, we felt like there is a hope deficit in our world. Maybe you're feeling that. I want us to be reminded that we are actually held by hope. The problem is the definition and meaning of hope has been so skewed it's skewed partly because of the way we use the word. I may say, I hope gas prices will go back down. But the truth is, there's a lot of things that affect gas prices, and I don't even know anything about most of those issues. Though I hope they'll go down, they'll probably go up. But I still hope. One dictionary defined hope as to have a desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. This definition has a problem. You see, you can have a desire for something and even expect it to happen, but what is the basis of that expectation? I remember reading an article about a guy who won the lottery, and he said that he knew he was going to win. That's quite a statement. I recently read where a person had about a 300 million to one chance of winning an exceptionally high lottery payout. That means that a person is more likely to be hit by falling airplane parts or eaten by a shark or die from flesh-eating bacteria or be snake-bitten than to win the lottery. It's like taking the names of the population of the six largest states in the United States and drawing one name out of a hat to win a new car. The likelihood is pretty slim, but this guy knew he was going to win. Our definition of hope is tainted because our hope is often based upon slim probabilities. We hope for a lot of things. I could hope my next book is going to be a bestseller. But if my hope is not based in solid, probable expectations, then my hope will only be whimsical and not even real. Tainted hope leads to hopelessness. So dark that people oftentimes revert to false forms of hope. In this series, I'm focusing on a key Bible verse found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 about true hope. The Bible says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. For hope to be a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, we must focus on the first word of that verse. It's the word this. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor. It's like God was saying, I know everyone defines hope in different ways, but you need to define it properly if it's going to offer true strength for your life. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now think about that verse, living hope living as opposed to dead. A living hope is one that is genuine and vital in contrast to a hope that is empty and vain. If you want a hope that holds you secure, you need a living hope, a God hope. Lee Strobel, author and church leader, defined hope in this way. Biblical hope is the confident expectation that God is willing and able to fulfill the promises he's made to those who trust in him. 
I want us to think for a few minutes about this definition in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Why is this living hope a confident expectation? Well, living hope is a confident expectation because it's based upon God's character and not our worthiness. You see, God inspired Peter to say, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Our hope is connected to God's nature. Did you hear that in that verse? According to his great mercy. In this case, the Bible is referring to God's mercy as a part of his character. In other words, our hope is not dependent upon our works or our worthiness, but upon God's grace and mercy. It's this fact that led John Newton to write the old hymn, Amazing Grace, so many years ago. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. There's something that's very normal to think that we have to first be worthy of God's favor before we can receive it. But listen, we will never be worthy. And the prophet Isaiah was inspired by God to remind us that all of our righteousness is like a filthy rag. Now, when Isaiah recorded that in the 64th chapter of the book with his name, he used this word to describe the dirtiest garment that you can imagine. What's the dirtiest thing that comes to your mind, the dirtiest garment that that you can think of? I think of the cloth diapers we used with our first child. Notice I said first. You see, we eventually graduated to disposable diapers because the cloth diapers were disgusting. God said that our best efforts to be good is like a diaper pail full of nasty cloth diapers. We can't earn God's favor. Our hope is based upon the truth that God is merciful, period. You see, living hope is a confident expectation because it's based upon God's character, not our worthiness. But here's the second thing we can pull from that 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 verse. Living hope is a confident expectation because it's based upon God's power and not our abilities. Now, I'm all about giving my best effort and being responsible, but I've also got to know that my abilities and my strength are limited. On my best day, I don't have what it takes to stand against all the fierce currents of life. We've endured some challenging times, but the Bible says times are going to become even more challenging in the days to come. How will we stand against such a strong current? We need an anchor that's connected to God's immeasurable power and not our own puny efforts. Did you notice how God connects our hope to the greatest expression of power that we can imagine? Listen again to 1 Peter 1.3. He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is tied to the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I know some people have a hard time accepting the literal death and resurrection of Jesus, even though the Bible speaks of it. Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says that Jesus was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. One of the greatest evidences of the resurrection, now there's there's plenty of evidences that we could talk about, but one of the greatest evidences is the fact that there really was an empty tomb. You see, the disciples believed the tomb was empty, and the enemies of the early church could have proved them wrong if the tomb were not empty. Consider this. The burial site was known to the Jews and the Gentiles. If the tomb were not empty, anyone could have just gone up to the site to verify it. The disciples could not have preached the resurrection in Jerusalem had the tomb not been empty because everyone would have known that Jesus' body was still there if indeed the tomb was not empty. How about this? The earliest Jewish propaganda against the Christians presupposes 
the empty tomb, and the Jewish authorities would have exposed the whole affair if the tomb were not indeed empty. Dr. Ian Blakelock is a historian and professor of classics at Auckland University. He said, I tell you that the evidence for the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is better authenticated than most of the facts of ancient history. Living hope is a confident expectation because it's based upon God's power and not our abilities. God's power is evidenced in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Here's a third thing. Living hope is a confident expectation because it's based upon God's willingness and not our cleverness. Now, remember that hope is tied to God's mercy. So God is willing because he's merciful. There's nothing wrong with cleverness and solving our own problems. Matter of fact, I think it's wrong to sit around and wait on someone to solve all of our issues. Frankly, one of the problems of our society is that we're waiting around on someone to solve our problems and bail us out. However, what do you do when the problem you're facing is too big to solve? You just can't either figure it out or it's too big to overcome. We remind ourselves that our confident expectation is tied to God's willingness to act on our behalf. We need to remember God is willing because God loves us. God loves us more than we can imagine. I love how Max Lucado said it. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, and he chooses your heart. Face it, friend. He's crazy about you. God loves you and me so much. He offers us a living and growing hope because of his unconditional and immeasurable love. It's hard to understand, but God offers it anyway. Do you remember the pot-bellied pig craze some years ago when people were spending hundreds of dollars to own one of those exotic house pets imported from Vietnam? Well, this craze started when breeders of these particular pigs claimed two things. They said that these pigs were very smart and that they would only grow to weigh about 40 pounds. For some reason, many people apparently love the idea of a smart mini pig running around their house because there are thousands of pigs sold. Well, it turned out that the breeders were only half ripe. These pigs were very smart. Some could even be trained to walk on leashes and use litter boxes. But they often grew to weigh as much as 150 pounds or more. Some of them even grew to 250 pounds. Another drawback is that the owners of these unique pigs discovered uh, that they often became openly aggressive, not at all pet-like. So what did people do with their unwanted pot-bellied pigs? Well, Fortunately, according to an article in U.S. News and World Report, a man named Dale Riffle came to the rescue. Someone had given Dale one of these pigs as a gift, and he fell in love with the thing, even though it never learned to use a litter box. And in fact, he said it developed a tendency to eat carpet, wallpaper, and drywall. Well, Riffle loved his pig so much that he sold his suburban home and moved with his new pet pig, whom he named Rufus, to a five-acre farm in West Virginia. He then started taking in unwanted pot-bellied pigs. And before long, the guy was living in hog heaven. When the article was written, he had 180 pig residents on his farm. These pigs don't just live there. Riffle treats them to a luxurious lifestyle. The article stated that these little porkers snooze on beds of fresh pine shavings every night. They wallow in mud puddles. They soak in plastic swimming pools to pipe in classical music. They wait in line for one of Riffle's belly rubs. They even socialize in age-graded pig affinity groups, whatever that means. And these pigs never need fear that one day they'll become bacon or pork chops. 
Believe it or not, there's actually a waiting list for unwanted pigs wanting to get a hoof in the door at Riffle's farm. Riffle says, we are all put on earth for some reason, and I guess pigs are my lot in life. Now, I'm, I'm sure you're going to agree that this is a crazy story. It's amazing that anyone in his right mind would fall so totally in love with pigs. The central theme of the Bible is that our majestic, all-powerful, all-knowing, perfectly holy God is passionately in love with imperfect, sometimes openly rebellious, frequently indifferent people like you and me. God's extreme love for us makes Dale Riffle's love for pigs look normal. While our culture may cause the meaning of hope to be blurred, God is clear. Hope is the confident expectation that God is willing and able to fulfill the promises He has made to those who trust in Him. I love that statement. God is willing and God is able. God offers you a living hope as an anchor for your soul. This hope is a confident expectation because it's based on God's character, God's power, and God's willingness. Do you find yourself facing a hope deficit? God offers you hope in abundance. Call out to Him today. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can find my contact page on my website, timriordan.com. You can visit there to learn about my books or read some of my blogs, or just send me a note and share with me a prayer request or a specific need in your life. I'd love to be able to pray for you and with you on your behalf. If this podcast has been helpful for you, I hope you'll share it with others. Now, next week, we're going to focus on a third, a short little message in this series on the source of our hope. I hope that you'll join me.